from Madison, Wisconsin, World Dairy Expo presents The Dairy Show, the digital meeting place of the global dairy industry, where we sit down to talk cows, cutting edge technology, and the colored shavings. Welcome to The Dairy Show. I am your host, Lisa Benke. Today's episode is part two of our four-part series devoted to World Dairy Expo's founding fathers. As we celebrate Dynasty and Dairy at this year's show, October 1st through 6th in Madison, Wisconsin, we can't help but delve a little deeper into the dairy dynasties built by Gene Nelson, Alan Hetz, Howard Vagley, and Norman Magnuson Sr. Today, we welcome Norm Magnuson Jr. to the podcast. Norm, welcome to The Dairy Show. Thank you, Lisa. And I guess for me, I'm Norman C. Magnuson, and the other gentleman that we're going to talk about today was Norman E. Magnuson. But uh, I, I do appreciate this opportunity. We appreciate your being here with us today. The purpose of this is to get to know these people that were the founding fathers. And and I guess, Norm, the first thing I'd like to ask you is, what is a word you would use to describe your father? I would say respected. A lot of people talk about honesty and whatever, but I think respected covered him the best. I think respected is a, it's a common denominator among these four individuals that we talk about. And I think as I'm visiting with the family members, I'm, I'm learning that they were each of those men were widely respected by the other breeders in the industry, but they also were master breeders themselves. They were also international judges of dairy cattle that were forging relationships with not just breeders in their immediate vicinity, but worldwide. And I think that's what made them uniquely positioned to pool their wealth of knowledge and resources and that mutual respect that everyone had. They built World Dairy Expo. So Norm, could you tell us more about your dad on a personal level? I know that his life story is one that's really interesting to read. And I guess if you could just top line it for us, tell us about your dad. Tell us about the person he was. He started out raised in Northern Wisconsin with just a few great cows. He took a few days off from school. One time when he was in high school to help a neighbor get ready for a sale and brush some tails out and curry cone cows. Decided that was interesting and didn't ever, never went back to school after that. He did have an opportunity then to travel with the Wisconsin Reformatory herds on the show string with one of the people that he worked with was Fred Wetmore. Freddie Wetmore ended up being a photographer of cattle. He had also worked at Dunlog and Holsteins in Ellicott City, Maryland. And from there, he got hired at Walhalla Farms in Rexford, New York. The, the manager of that farm at that time was actually his brother, Harold Magnuson, and was working for the Zoller family at Walhalla Farms. And uh, from there, he went to Judge Bridge Farms, where Jana Vernon ended up her career. Uh, my dad purchased the cow for Judge Bridge Farm promised Mrs. Sherry that the cow would never be milked with a machine. And at that time, he was dating my mother, who was also from northern Wisconsin in the Osseo Augusta area. And they exchanged letters back and forth for many years. Then I have those letters that my mother wrote to my father and my father wrote back to my mother. They ended up getting married in Connecticut, had three children born there, my brother Gary, my sister Nancy, and my brother Wayne, and then moved back to Wisconsin. And they did a little stop in Michigan along the way where my father was hired by Bancroft Acres, Holstein Herd, to kind of clear up their record keeping. 
and uh, was hired, I believe, in March, and they sold out in September, and that's when he ended up going to Wisconsin. Once they arrived in Wisconsin, that was the birthplace of the Norvik herd. And the Norvik herd is a story unto itself. Every dynasty has a start, right? And I would say your dad was building that with his own herd. He started out in Lake Mills, Wisconsin with his, with his brother Vic and with your mom, Marion, who, by the way, you said your mother had a dairy background too, but not Swiss. Yes, her father had registered Guernseys and used some pretty popular bulls. He had a bull that he used from Boulder Valley, and I've seen in an old Wisconsin Guernsey journal uh, write up about how well that bull had done in his herd. So there was a little bit of pedigree behind my mother as well. Well, it sounds like the three of them, your Uncle Vic, your mom, and your dad all had the same desire to work with good dairy cattle because your dad, having quit school as a kid to help with brushing out switches for that sale, he got the show bug as well, right? So when they started the herd in Lake Mills and named it Norvik, or were they showing registered cattle right away? Or is that something that they built up to as they amassed a number of animals to milk at Lake Mills? I think my dad got that show disease early on and because he, like I said, worked with the Wisconsin Reformatory with, with Freddie Wetmore showing cows in boxcars. I mean, one of those letters I talked about earlier was from my father to my mother while he was on his way home from the Royal Winter Fair at Thanksgiving time with that Wisconsin Reformatory herd. And then with that Walhalla Farms, they showed cattle there. Walhalla Farms was uh, one of the leading uh, herds. Matter of fact, they just were recognized this year at our national convention for being a historic breeder herd was that. And Mr. Zoller, the gentleman that owned it, bought high dollar cows for in those years. And he was on the board of General Electric. But also with Judge Bridge, they took the cavalcade train to California to the Cow Palace in 1939. And there was multiple breeds, but the Brown Swiss, they called it the Swiss Capade. And my father was the herdsman then for Judge Bridge Farm. So he got that to ride that train back and forth from Connecticut to California and back. So, uh, and Uncle Vic too uh, was a little bit older than my father. He had worked at uh, Carnation Farms at a point in time. And so he was around high quality registered cattle as well. And uh, like I said, they grew up with on a farm that just had a couple of grade crossbred cows is where their start was, but somehow or other they got the bug. And I think probably through his, uh, their older brother, Harold, who ended up being at Walhalla Farms, he had gone to the uh, River Falls School at that time and done milk testing in Northern Wisconsin. And he purchased two registered brown Swiss calves for Uncle Vic and my dad from uh, Hibbard and Stoneman in Madison, Wisconsin. And that's where the registered part got. And then I guess once you start showing, it's it, it's incurable. I think that's a true statement. And yes, your dad, I, I know that he did show at the Wisconsin State Fair as a youth, as did you. And I think it's also ironic that you're talking about your dad having traveled from Connecticut to California by rail with cattle, because you yourself just returned from California and the, the National Round Swiss Convention, did you not? <laughs> but I'm guessing you didn't take a rail car to get there. No, I took a plane and that was that was long enough. Well, we talk about that. Your dad 
back in the day, he and, and your uncle Vic are managing a herd of dairy cattle. And your dad was also, he was very civic minded. He was a Rotarian. He was a bank director. He was a member of a local church. He was so invested in people, I guess, is what I'm trying to say here. And that's something, Norm, that I think you share that gene with your dad. It logically led, he's, he's juggling many balls. He's successful with Norvik and they're building this herd of Swiss. But shortly after they started Norvik, your dad also started Brown Swiss Sales and Service. Is that, is that true? Uncle Vic and dad and my mother, and eventually my Uncle Vic married my mother's sister, Arlene. So it was a brothers and sisters uh, situation. But Norvik started in 1945. And dad had worked a little bit with Vidvi. Vidvi ran Brown Swiss Sales Service out of Waukesha, Wisconsin. Vid was a very flamboyant person, uh, was a great promoter, and did a lot of sales. Also had some involvement with Holstein sales and also had a pedigree service that they he kept uh, information on cattle and provided pedigrees for sale catalogs. And Vid had gotten ill. He had had a stroke while uh, cross-country skiing to work one day. And Vid asked my father to finish what sales Vid had uh, booked and told my dad that you're going to meet a gentleman by the name of Martin Fromm at the courthouse in Waukesha, Wisconsin. And he's going to go with you and he's going to be your auctioneer at, the, at these next few sales. And that's where they teamed up and basically ran sales together for 30 years and started a good experience for my father. He got started with a, a good advisor in uh, Vidvi working those sales and then took it over when Vid passed away in 1947. The Vidvi Memorial Award is one that's presented during the Brown Swiss show. That's, again, you think about all the people that have contributed knowledge and talent and passion to the business. It is at World Dairy Expo, a showcase of that and, and remembering people who have created the foundation that the rest of us stand on today. And speaking of that, the sale company, Norm, what are your earliest recollections of your dad and mom running that sale company and, and the farm as well? Describe to us how all of that was maintained successfully. You had brothers that were involved in the business and you were traveling with your mom and dad. Yeah, my uh, brother Gary, my sister Nancy, my brother Wayne, like I said, were born in uh, Connecticut. And I was 12 years the junior of my brother Wayne. So I got to ride in the back seat and go to a lot of sales around the country as a, a young person rather than leaving me at home with my siblings. But Gary was essential in the uh, uh, Norvik Farms. He just passed away here in, in April. He took care of the cattle and the farm while my dad was on the road a lot later on. Early on, it was Uncle Vic that kind of set the tone there, take care of things. They eventually bought a second farm, and Vic and Aunt Arlene raised four children there on, on that farm, which was a subsidiary or a partnership of Norvik Farms, but cows were milked on both places. So the sales, uh, I got to see a lot of the country and a lot of herds. I got to see the final Judge Bridge dispersal. I helped at the Lees Hill dispersal, L&J Farms, a lot of those bigger herds. And I'd actually, my father had me go and pick cattle for the Wisconsin National Sale was held in uh, Madison, 1976. That was the year my father passed away. 
And I'd actually gone to Colorado and picked cattle for him for that sale at that time, just a month or so before he passed away. Well, Norm, what are some of the, the best lessons your dad and, and your mom, too, as they were partners in the sale business? What are some of the best lessons they imparted as you were traveling with them from dispersal to dispersal, sale to sale? That's just the way my father and mother handled themselves in public, I guess, and how they represented themselves. And it goes back to the respect that they had for other people and their clientele had for them. You, you earn that. A lot of people remembered my dad because he smoked a pipe for a while. And I can remember going down the road in the back seat. Dad would be smoking his pipe and he'd cough. And of course, then the ashes would blow up in the air and my mother beating on him, trying to put the, all the little burn holes in. Every shirt he had had burn holes in it, you know. By definition, a dynasty is a succession of success, you know, passed from one generation to the next. And that's what I feel your dad and mom successfully did with you and your brothers and sister. They were able to paved the way for your future successes. And they were blessed in that you had a shared love of dairy cows like they did, particularly you and, and Gary. Um, tell us a little bit about the route that Wayne took. He did love the cows, he did milk cows, but what ultimately um, was Wayne's path? My father bought a, a second farm uh, from John Last in like 1962, I believe it was. And John last had been a manager at Milford Meadows Farm, which was across the road, which ended up being the Emmis Blaine Experimental Farm at one point. And when my dad bought the uh, 160 acres from John last, there were Holsteins on the, on the farm as well. And uh, they milked them there for about a year. And then Wayne had the opportunity to buy into the feed mill in Lake Mills, which was Graper Feeds in Lake Mills. And uh, Wayne managed that for many years and eventually sold it now to VitaPlus, owns the, the feed mill there in Lake Mills. So Wayne was a very good businessman and he liked cows, but I think he liked selling feed to the people that owned them more so than he did the milking every day. But he was a very, like I said, a very good businessman. and. Uh, he enjoyed his time with Brown Swiss. I can show you a picture of him hand milking a cow at the Chicago International on the cover of a Hordes Dairyman magazine, if you'd like to see it. Yeah, I wanted to circle back. You said that that there was a promise made that, that the sherry cow wouldn't be milked except by hand. There was opposition to machine milking back then, is that correct? When my father went to Orbit Sherry's in Viroqua, Wisconsin, on behalf of Judge Bridge Farm to try to buy Jane of Vernon. And Mrs. Sherry, Hilda, made my dad uh, promise that Jane would never be milked with a machine. And that was a promise that your dad held to? He did, and I'm sure he did, because Jane had already had four daughters born at Orbic Sherry's and one son, and those four daughters followed Jane's Royal of Vernon to Lee's Hill Farm, which just changed the, the, the breed by the way that they bred those cattle, wine bred them, and uh, sold so many offspring through that family. And then at Judge Bridge Farm, Jane had two daughters and one son. Colonel Harry, of course, went through the dispersal, which my father ran for 23000 in 1948, I believe. And that'd be, I don't know, maybe like $300,000 today, something that if you put inflation to it. 
And Norm, you currently serve as the executive secretary of our, our U.S. Brown Swiss Association. I haven't been to the office in Beloit for a number of years, but I have to believe that big portrait of Jane of Vernon must still hang in the, the office, does it not? You'll see it when you come through the front door every day. That's what I think is remarkable, too, as we, we were talking about your dad and all of the pieces of history that, that he has touched and, well, that he built. So Jane of Vernon being one and your, your uncle being part of the Carnation Farms and your dad working on the East Coast in Connecticut. When you think about that, it's just really remarkable because, again, going back to my statement, you flew to California for the National Brown Swiss Convention, but your dad and your uncle had to take a, a little slower route. That I'm sure they traveled an awful lot by train back in the day. And then when they traveled internationally to judge, obviously they were flying. Talk about that a little bit. Your dad's stint as an international judge of dairy cattle. You had the opportunity also to travel with your dad. Yes. When I was in junior high, my father judged in Honduras and I got to go along. We made a stop in Mexico City and I saw my first, I guess you'd call it opera, my mother was, was a school teacher to begin with and taught at a rural school. So I had a, a teacher as, <laughs> as part of my upbringing. And we also stopped in Guatemala and visited a client of my father's that had bought cattle from him and then on to Honduras. But my father had judged in South America and uh, many countries in Latin America as well, as he judged uh, World Dairy Expo. I know he judged the Jersey breed there at one point, and I don't know how many other shows he judged at Madison as well. As fate would have it, Norm, I think maybe that is what put the world in World Dairy Expo. If anybody else had come together and said that they needed to build this dairy cattle show, it was way more than just a, a regional cattle show or a way to bring people together. Because let's face it, the, the four of them, Nelson, Hatz, Magnuson, and Bagley, all were exhibitors at the Wisconsin State Fair, all went to Waterloo, all did those show circuits. They traveled to the West Coast and they showed in, in the East. They took their show strings everywhere, but they also traveled internationally. So the respect that they earned was not just within the U.S. dairy cattle population. That extended outside of the country's borders. Steve Nelson talked about it, Norm. He talked about the trainees that they had at Graveview and the people that came to World Dairy Expo and wanted to reunite and see their friend, Gene Nelson. Your dad must have experienced that same thing at World Dairy Expo when the friends that he made throughout his judging circuit came to this show. Yeah, his exposure worldwide, he never had the opportunity or never took the chance to, to visit Europe, but a lot of clients, they, the same thing with Howard Vagley with the Brown Swiss. You make so many friendships and acquaintances through marketing the cattle. And that was huge in those days, of course. And that's a main reason why a lot of people showed cows was the marketing part of it. You were promoting your breeding program. You were selling bulls, selling females. And that was all part of why you showed cattle. Your dad was quite the merchandiser. And let's face it, the Norvik prefix was carried by many a female, but also by many bulls, many service sires that went into production. Can you talk about that a little bit, the impact that Norvik had on the brown Swiss breed through the top side of the pedigree? The whole breeding program at Norvik Farms basically started off when they first bull that they used was uh, Colonel Jake DM. He was a Colonel Harry's son from uh, Judge Bridge Farm. 
And then my father uh, contracted with Vernon Hall at Lee's Hill for a son of Jane of Vernon V, which was highly regarded as the best daughter of Jane of Vernon, sired by Royals Meridian, who was a uh, paternal granddaughter of Jane of Vernon also. I mean, there, Jane of Vernon showed up about four times in that pedigree in about four generations. And my mother had the opportunity to ask Vernon Hall to, to name the bull and the name was Lee's Hill Masterpiece Elm. That way my mother could name all the sons of Masterpiece, Norvik Master Larry, Norvik Master this, Norvik Master that, Norvik Master her finale, and all the females were Norvik Mistress this, Norvik Mistress Beauty, Norvik Mistress Marion, which if you go back and look at the Dunlogan reading program, Dunlogan Woodmaster was used and all the Dun all the Woodmaster sons were master this and all the daughters were mistress this so that was a, a plan there when, with that part of it and by being in the sale business and traveling picking cattle for sales and gave him an opportunity to merchandise breeding stock recently i found a book ledger where my father would sell somebody a bull for 750 dollars and he'd take 200 dollars down and 100 dollars a month for until the guy had his bull paid for he was he was a financier, I guess, as well as a promoter. You talked about your Uncle Harold purchasing that pair of Swiss calves, the registered calves that got your Uncle Vic and your dad kind of started in the registered Swiss business. Let's talk about you and your start as a 4 H'er in the registered business, because let's face it, when World Dairy Expo started, it wasn't all sunshine and roses. It took a lot more than just, I have a really great idea and I got three friends who want to help me push it forward. There was also a need to underwrite and and pay for this, this new event, World Dairy Expo. And how did that come about? What role did sales play in getting World Dairy Expo off the ground? And we'll talk a little bit after you'd answer that question about your personal purchases at these early sales. A lot of people have a lot of good ideas, but a lot of them don't follow through. And these people had an idea that they did follow through on. And each person, Gene Nelson, Howard Vagley, Alan Hetz, and my father, all had different abilities or different things that they could bring to the plate, you know, to, with this organization. And my father being in the sale business with that group, they put together calf sales early on to donate, to generate money. People donated, breeders donated to calves to the sale of all breeds. And that was what they used to kind of put some money in the, in the pot to get the expo going. And also there was a need for financial support. Uh, Howard Vagley went to the state of Wisconsin and through his connections with people working at the Wisconsin Department of Ag, got Wisconsin to donate $50,000 to get Expo going. But some of the founding people actually signed notes pledging their financial backing of the World Dairy Expo by putting a lien on their own personal property to back World Dairy Expo. And I know my father was one of those. And that is a degree of commitment that we can't overlook, that that's how invested each of those four individuals was in, in getting World Dairy Expo off the ground. And you talk about those early sales. I know that there's there are pictures, Norm, of a calf that came all the way from the state of Oregon named Arbor Rose Chad Expo. And you had a unique relationship with that calf. Can you talk about Chad Expo a little bit? 
with those early promotion, you know, my dad was uh, did the promotion on this. He talked Arbor Rose Farm in Scapoose, Oregon, to consigning to a calf to the calf sale at what was World Food Expo actually at that point yet. And they flew the calf in in a crate in a plane. And my dad and the uh, Secretary of Ag and I think probably Allison Dairyland or somebody else met the calf at the airport in Madison. And there's pictures of them at, outside the plane with the calf. And they promoted the calf and they got the American Exchange Bank to buy the calf at the sale, which was the high selling animal. Then the calf came and lived at Norvik Farms in Lake Mills. And during the summer then, that summer, the bank would had sent out a trailer, which was for snowmobiling, basically. The back of the trailer dropped down, you ran your snowmobile in it, and when you got to wherever you were going to snowmobile, you took the snowmobile out and you turned the heat on and that's where you stayed. Well, that's what we, they came on weekends to go to county fairs, dairy days, whatever, and they'd put Miss Expo in the back of that trailer. She had a calf blanket that they had on her, which I still own or have. I don't know if I should own it, but uh, I have that. And so we'd have to get that calf ready on weekends or whenever they wanted to use her for promotions. And later on, she sold in one of the World Dairy Expo sales later on in her, in her, in her career. Was that a world premiere brown Swiss sale that you managed or that your dad managed when she sold? That was before I was managing sales by a long ways. That's right. You were a kid. You were 13. So right. That was years down the road. But did your dad actually sell her then that second time? I'm quite sure she sold there. And I think she sold one other time in another sale that my father managed. But yeah, my dad ran sales at Expo, kind of like what Tom Morris is doing now and what Dave Bachman did prior to that. They ran for quite a while. And like I said earlier, my father passed away in 1976. So Expo had only been in business for about 10 years there. Then there was a lull in there where there were no Swiss sales. Then the Brown Swiss Association ran some sales. Dave Bachman ran some multi-breed sales there. And then he had asked me to help him with the Brown Swiss division part of those sales. So, and I, I don't know how many years now that I've been running the sales either as Brown Swiss sales service before I became employed here at the Brown Swiss Association, but we've been running them there as Brown Swiss Enterprises lately, including the sale we had last fall with our world conference. We sold about 30 head and they averaged $8,200. So we had a really, really good sale. It's a great, to me, it's still a great place to sell registered cattle live and in person. I think your mom and dad have to be smiling as you say those words. This has to have blossomed into even something more spectacular than they imagined all those years ago when the first World Dairy Expo or the World Food Expo took place, as you said. The the Brown Swiss Show, the pageantry surrounding the selection of our champion of the Brown Swiss Show remains, to me, one of the most special moments at World Dairy Expo each year. And I believe that your dad and Mr. Vagley, Howard Vagley, had a lot to do with that. The, the Swiss Yodel Club has been leading that parade of champions for years. And we have the accordions and the yodelers and the elphorns. It's just such a fitting way to create fanfare for one of the highlights of each year's show. It goes back to a gentleman that used to sit in the same room I'm sitting in right now. And that was Fred Etsy was the executive secretary of the Brown Swiss Association. And he started that in Waterloo when they had the Brown Swiss show there. We had National Dairy Cattle Congress was there. 
and started with the bells and the, the yodelers. And you got to remember at that time, you had two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds and aged cows. There was four milking cow classes in those days. And now we've expanded that quite a bit. So we got a lot more bells today than what we had in those days. But it was it was Fred Etsy that got that going. And it's a wonderful tradition. And I think a lot of people really like to see it. And it gives you a thrill. Norm Nabholz made mention of it in an article that I read recapping the history of Waterloo. Because Waterloo was that place where everyone magnetically was drawn in the fall. Anyone that, and I'm going to say, I think some people really are born with a spirit animal, Norm. I think that all of us that are probably listening to this podcast today, you and I, if we're going to pick our spirit animal, it's got to be a cow because there's something about the dairy cow that each of us inherently is drawn to. It's what our life's work revolves around. And it's what makes people want to be at those shows. Because when you think about it, we assemble to to exhibit our dairy cattle, correct? And participate in sales, perhaps. But the trip around the ring is going to last at World Dairy Expo, maybe an hour, a little longer than an hour. And the rest of the week is spent sitting on the show box or visiting with other breeders. And I think that's what truly these events are. Norm referenced Waterloo as your dad and, and Alan Hetz's and, and the Vagleys and the Nelsons resort of sorts. That was where they went to do their relaxing and their visiting and enjoying the company of others. And truly what they built after Waterloo was no longer the, the, the meeting place of the dairy industry and World Dairy Expo took on that honor and privilege. It remains that today. It's that oasis where everyone that loves cows comes and you can't help yourself. You're magnetically drawn to it every year that first weekend in October. But let's talk about those sales again for a minute, Norm. You talked about Arbor Rose Chad Expo selling in that sale, and she was the top seller. But there was another name on that buyer list. It was a kid who bought his second 4-H calf. What calf did you buy that day? I bought Sugar Valley Mrs. Zelda. My father gave me a brown Swiss calf from the Norwich herd. Each of my siblings were given one calf. And then after that, you're on your own. You got to buy your own after that. And in support of that sale, I decided I wanted to buy another calf. And I bought Sugar Valley Mrs. Zelda. And she was a, a 4-H project of mine for many years and helped me learn the value of, of buying a registered animal and then also merchandising some of her offspring. Your mom and dad taught you valuable lessons along the way, and they learned how to transition the reins so that you truly were driving at a young age. I just can't imagine what that was like to, to ride with them. And you were building a network of friendships and and respect norm, just as your mom and dad had and your uncle and, and family before you. And you now run the world premier brown Swiss sale at World Dairy Expo. And it's really gratifying to hear that the sale averages are great and the interest in genetics at World Dairy Expo remains strong. So the sale, what what would you tell us about the current day sales and, and how it is to manage a sale now as compared to when your dad managed those first sales at World Dairy Expo. The basic part of running a sale is uh, the same. Uh, other than today with the uh, tag sales and uh, selling virtual, as I said earlier, I fully believe that World Dairy Expo is a great place to have a live sale because you've got trucks and trailers coming from all over the United States, plus out of Canada. You have a tremendous following of international guests 
And I've always felt that it's easier to sell a cow that looks good or a calf that looks good. You see it in person. But you also do, and my father had a great reputation for that, was of buying cattle for other people because they, he did. people trusted him that what he was telling them was what they were going to get when she came off the truck. And that was, uh, again, going back to uh, people's, the respect that he had. But Expo, to me, they, the Expo itself uh, does a great job of helping promote the fact that you're going to be selling top quality cattle. And people expect it. You're going to World Dairy Expo, they better be good. A few years ago, we did a cow there. We never even showed the cow, but she still brought around 18,000 and she was bought by Cutting Edge. She is the grand dam of Cutting Edge Thunder Faye that's been grand champion the last two years at Madison. And her name was Geraldine Star Starbuck Fargo. And Fargo's dam was Mort Tower Frisky. And she had been grand champion at the World Dairy Expo. So a family that has produced two grand champions at Madison and one of the animals in between uh, went through the sale at Madison. And also we sold a daughter of Fargo in the Illinois national sale that ended up that year being intermediate champion at the World Dairy Expo. So there's quite a, quite a history there with that one family. Speaking of history, Norm, you're still creating it. As we go, World Dairy Expo is celebrating the 56th anniversary this year, and it doesn't come about by chance. It comes about by people who plan, like your mom and dad. If It was like, like you said, their naming protocol was a divine plan. They had a plan in place so that everything that was to come was was made easier and, and more successful. And I think that's a great legacy to have passed on. And Norm, you are continuing to do the same thing that your mom and dad did. You're, you're still, I think respect is going to be a word that people are going to use to describe you too if asked. So thank you for all that you have done with and for World Dairy Expo. And I want to thank you for being our guest here on the podcast today. And I look forward to seeing you and everyone listening to today's podcast at Madison, Wisconsin, October 1 through 6 for World Dairy Expo's Dynasty in Dairy. It's going to be another tremendous show, and it's a fitting tribute to our founding fathers and their family members who have kept this show going, the Hetzes, the Magnusons, the Vagleys, and the Nelsons. Norm, thank you so much again for being part of today's Dairy Show. Thank you, Lisa, for the opportunity to promote Brown Swiss and the World Dairy Expo. We look forward to seeing you in a few weeks. And anyone listening, tickets go on sale for World Dairy Expo 2023 starting July 1st. We'll see you in Madison, Wisconsin. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Dairy Show. We hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to hit like and subscribe wherever you are listening to us today. And of course, don't forget to tell your friends about how much you are enjoying The Dairy Show. We would love to have them join us as well. And last but not least, if you have any comments for us, send us an email at wde at wdexpo.com. We would love to hear from you. 